Welcome to this month's special programming series, Focus on Cancer, on ReachMD XM157. Metastatic liver cancer does not carry an optimistic prognosis. However, with the growing use of radiofrequency ablation to treat liver tumors, patients with metastatic liver cancer are living longer than ever before. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Alan Sipperstein, Vice Chair of the Division of Surgery, Head of the Section of Endocrine Surgery, and the Director of the General Surgical Residency Program at the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Sipperstein is well-published in several of the specialty areas, including thyroid, parathyroid, advanced laparoscopic surgery, thermal ablation, and endocrine tumors. Welcome, Dr. Sipperstein. Thank you very much. Today we are discussing treatment options and outcomes for patients with metastasized liver cancer. Dr. Sipperstein, we were talking about radiofrequency ablation, and we were talking about special patient populations where you would choose radiofrequency ablation. If you had a patient who medically could not undergo surgical resection for comorbidities, what is the difference in terms of prognosis and survival in one of those patients being treated by radiofrequency ablation and the other by surgical resection in terms of the therapy itself? Well, the most common group of patients that we treat are those with colorectal metastases to the liver. And obviously, the first line of treatment is for them to undergo chemotherapy. And the chemotherapeutic agents that are used today are actually much better than they were a decade ago. So there's been significant progress in that area. Does chemotherapy get the metastatic tumors in the liver? Well, approximately, depending on the study, 30 to 50% of patients have a response to treatment, which means the tumors shrink up. Are there patients who are entirely cured by chemotherapy? That would be exceptionally rare. And so as these patients are now living longer, we are looking for other treatment modalities to help palliate or in some cases hopefully cure their disease. You mentioned resection, and resection is a so-called gold standard of treatment, but it's only applicable for a small fraction of patients who have one or a very limited number of tumors within the liver, and in general have no evidence of additional metastases outside the liver. Now, what about margins? We know in resecting tumors, we try to get a good margin. Do you get a margin in radiofrequency ablation? Yes, the concept is very similar. As you mentioned, we we like to get at least a centimeter of normal tissue surrounding the edge of the lesion, as there are often microscopic infiltrations of tumor cells at the periphery of a metastatic deposit. With radiofrequency ablation, we, in essence, cook or ablate a spherical zone of tissue, and that encompasses the tumor as well as our traditional surgical margin that extends into the surrounding liver tissue. But how do you actually see this? It's actually almost like a high-tech video game in that we do the procedure laparoscopically, so we're observing the surface of the liver on a television monitor, And then to identify the tumor within the liver, we place a laparoscopic ultrasound probe on the liver so we can look into the substance of the liver. On our television monitor, we have a picture-in-picture box so we can superimpose the two images. We then use the ultrasound 
to guide the placement of the ablation needle into the center of the tumor deposit, and we can then very carefully position that such that the sphere of ablation very precisely encompasses the zone of tumor as well as our surrounding margin. How do you determine the amount of energy? Well, the devices on the market work slightly differently, but in essence, they are computer-controlled to deliver a certain amount of power over a certain amount of time. Very often, the temperatures are monitored. So the analogy I give is that you cook your Thanksgiving turkey until the little red thing pops up, and when we do ablation, we literally monitor the temperature at the periphery of what we are ablating, knowing that the temperatures on the inside will be much hotter. So when we reach a lethal tissue temperature at the periphery, then we know that we've accomplished, from a technical point of view, what we need to do. And for one metastatic deposit, just how long does it take to cook this deposit? It depends on the size. For example, if we have a three-centimeter metastatic deposit, we would want to ablate a diameter of about five centimeters, and that generally takes about 20 to 25 minutes to do. So it's not something that happens in a second. No, because it takes time to deliver the energy to slowly heat the tissues and and affect that change. Compared to what we did a decade ago, this is an order of magnitude faster, where to treat that same lesion could take three or four hours. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Alan Sipperstein, vice chair of the Division of Surgery and head of endocrine surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. Today we are discussing treatment options and outcomes for patients with metastasized liver cancer. Dr. Sipperstein, when one performs radiofrequency ablation for a solitary liver metastasis, is one treatment enough? In most cases, yes. What we've looked at very carefully is what we term our local recurrence rate. That is, if we treat a lesion and we think we get a technically adequate result, how often does tumor recur at that same site? And the answer, depending on size and tumor type, is about 12% these patients actually are at higher risk for developing new tumor deposits elsewhere within their liver or developing additional disease outside the liver. Are there any anatomical locations within the liver that you cannot approach? The place that's most difficult is if the tumor is immediately adjacent to the main bile ducts. It's very interesting that we can treat lesions if they encroach upon the blood vessels because the blood flow prevents us from necrosing the wall of that blood vessel. However, the bile ducts don't have enough flow to prevent heating, and it is possible then to have stricture formation of those ducts. Do you ever get a biliary fistula? It's actually very rarely reported, and part of it is because we are very careful to avoid treating lesions immediately adjacent to the bile duct, or we take a very shy margin. We would rather risk having a local recurrence rather than having a biliary stricture, which actually could be a more disastrous complication in many of these patients. If you have multiple metastatic deposits, do you do that at the same setting? Yes. In fact, we've treated up to 16 or 18 lesions in a given setting, and it's simply a repetitious process of targeting and ablating each lesion in series. Well, we're talking about hours in the operating room. The longest cases these days are taking four hours which is not a very long period of time. And even so, the patients generally are going home the next day with very minimal discomfort. Well, what are your number one complications? The overall complication rate 
major and minor complications are about 5%. And we include some very minor things such as, as urinary retention, the usual post-operative problems of some transient heart arrhythmias. Wound infections, because we do this laparoscopically, are very, very unusual. We have not seen potential problems of liver failure from this, as is sometimes seen from extensive resection. And the other complication that we thought would be frequent, that is abscess within the necrotic tissue, actually occurs 1% of the time. And what about bleeding? Bleeding is also fairly unusual. And the reason is we are making only tiny little pinholes in the surface of the liver. We're able then to observe that laparoscopically at the end of the procedure and make sure that it has been adequately cauterized. So again, delayed bleeding afterwards is very unusual, even in some of our cirrhotic patients. Is this a procedure that is becoming more and more common in the United States? It is being more frequently used. The number of reports in the literature have increased. There is now a CPT code for the procedure, such that insurance reimbursement is much easier than the early days when we would really regard this as an investigational procedure. And so it is becoming more commonly performed. Is this something that is difficult to learn how to do? From a technical point of view, the most difficult aspect of the procedure is learning to target the lesions under ultrasound guidance. And it really is precise positioning of the ablation needle that's crucial for the technical success. As surgeons are becoming more adept at laparoscopic procedures and the use of ultrasound in the operating room, there's a growing body of surgeons who are very competent at doing the procedure. Do you think that this will always be done in the operating room, or will the radiologists take this over? Well, the other group that performs this are the radiologists, and it is often done under a CT and sometimes ultrasound guidance. How is that done? Very analogous to how a CT-guided liver biopsy would be done in that the lesion is, again, targeted under CT or ultrasound, and the ablation catheter is placed percutaneously. The types of patients who can be treated in the radiology suite are somewhat more limited because the size or number of lesions becomes more difficult to treat in the CT scanner, and also particularly lesions that are adjacent to viscera would be difficult to treat. In the operating room, we can simply move those viscera out of the way, In the CT scanner, for example, if a lesion is immediately adjacent to the colon or the stomach, you would risk a thermal injury to that structure. Well, as technology progresses, do you think more procedures will be done under CT as opposed to in the operating room? It depends really on the location of the tumor that determines, I think, the best mode of treatment. There are some other technical reasons why we like to approach these patients in the operating room initially We can do a full diagnostic laparoscopy for better staging information that may better direct further chemotherapy. The patients are asleep, so they're entirely comfortable, but still can go home the next day very pain-free. Now, clearly, when they're in the CT scanner, they're not asleep. That certainly is an advantage that you don't have to have general anesthesia. Yes, although, to be honest, the the risks of a modern general anesthesia with good monitoring and short-acting medications is very, very minimal. The old adage that, you know, one type of anesthesia is safer or less safe than another is somewhat outdated and really not supported by the modern literature. And do you have radiologists in the operating room who are looking at the ultrasound with you, or do you do this yourself? 
In my particular practice, I have a long interest in ultrasound and feel very comfortable doing this procedure by myself. I know some of my colleagues who have less experience, and certainly in the learning phase, I think it's very essential to have radiology help in terms of doing that. It's interesting that some of the open ultrasound has co-evolved between surgery and radiology. Most laparoscopic ultrasound really has been developed and is used by surgeons. I want to thank Dr. Alan Sipperstein, who has been our guest. We have been discussing treatment options and outcomes for patients with metastasized liver cancer. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to check out our website at www.reachmd.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, as we feature a special series, Focus on Cancer.